Good evening. A massive police hunt is underway tonight in West London for the killer of Jill Dando, who was murdered earlier today outside her terraced home in Fulham. Police said tonight she died from a single shot to the head. Neighbours who found her dying on her doorstep had heard a scream and seen a well-dressed man hurrying away down the street. If you can believe it, Jill Dando was shot in the head on her front doorstep in the middle of the day. And her murder still remains one of the UK's most high-profile unsolved murder cases, even now, 20 years later. Someone was caught, and then someone was released. And you know how double jeopardy works. This case is certainly a weird one, but let's dive into it. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Jill Dando grew up in southwest England. She came from a well-educated, upper-middle-class family. They attended the Baptist church and were devout Christians. Jill knew she wanted to be on TV at a very young age. She studied journalism at the South Glamorgan Institute of Higher Education in Cardiff. Hope I'm not butchering, butchering those uh, pronunciations there. Glamorgan. I'm pretty sure in UK they, they like to they like to run everything together a little quicker. So if I like to call it Clamorgan, it's probably Clamorgan, right? And Cardiff, I'd call it Cardiff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, Jill's first job was at a local newspaper company that her dad and older brother also worked for. She moved quickly up the career ladder, becoming a newsreader for BBC Radio by 1985. I feel like she has like my dream job. I, you know, when I was a kid, podcasting wasn't a thing, but I always felt like I wanted to be in some type of news or media or some sort of, some sort of that, some sort of delivering information in that way and talking. I don't know why, I've just always been that way. When I had a handheld camcorder, me and my cousins would like sit around and make videos, you know, at like little newscast videos, add music and all that stuff. Anyways, it's neither here nor there, but I could relate to her in that way. But uh, she had made many appearances on regional television programs, but made the transition she wanted in 1986 from regional television to national. She doesn't hit the damn big time. She joined the BBC London news team as a presenter. She went from presenting short news bulletins to hosting Breakfast Time, which was a news morning news program, basically. Um, I would say probably the equivalent of like Good Morning America here in the States. So her popularity really started to grow, especially when she became a face on the 1 o'clock and the 6 o'clock news. But she landed her dream job. That's right. After all of this, it gets even better for Jill Dando when she lands her dream job, when she was selected to host a travel program called Holiday, where she would spotlight different vacation areas and locations. We've seen a lot of this stuff, like uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, God rest his soul, before he before he passed, his show seems similar to what uh, Jill did in the UK. So, or all over the world, rather. Um, but at the time, she also co-hosted a primetime television series called Crime Watch. I would equate it to something like America's Most Wanted or Unsolved Mysteries. It was a show that aired reenactments of unsolved cases in hopes of generating new leads or rooting out potential witnesses. Which makes this 
case even stranger, right? That someone who studied crimes, someone who reported on crimes, ended up being involved in one. Confession time, right? That is one of my greatest fears. Since I have um, been doing podcasting and true crime podcasting for the last four years, I feel like it's become a big part of, I guess, who I am on a grand scale. It's it's a big part of what I do for a living, and, and most people associate that uh, associate you, rather, with what you do for a living, a big part of who you are, your potential, whatnot, um, which I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So I have been connected to the true crime community in a way that I think I can't untether now, uh, which is fine, which is fine. Uh, but I have this fear that maybe one day, what if I was victim of uh, of a true crime, of a crime, Right? If I'm victim of a crime and someone's reporting on me, it's like, will it be more of a story that I was a true crime enthusiast myself or that I was actually killed? <laughs> Not that I care once I'm dead. Either way, um, it just sounds like it would over the, the irony of the situation would overshadow uh, the tragedy of my death. <laughs> and that just, I don't know, uh, I guess me as an alive, conscious person with an ego, uh, that scares me for some reason. So, just wanted to get that off my chest, but I, I, if that ever happens to me, some of you podcasters out there better do a damn good job on my case. You too, Lorne, you know, on, on the new show called True Crime Guy. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but Jill was also making strides in her personal life, okay? She had gotten engaged to a gynecologist, right? He obviously knows what he's doing. His name was Alan Farthing. The two had met on a blind date and instantly connected. They announced their engagement on January 31st, 1999, and set the wedding date for September 25th later that year. But unfortunately, as we know now, uh, Jill would never walk down the aisle. On the morning of April 26th, 1999, Jill left Farthing's home, headed back to her house, which she was in the process of selling and didn't frequently visit. She had done some shopping earlier in the morning, and arrived at the home around 11.30 a.m. A neighbor recalled hearing Jill scream, but described it as if someone had surprised her, like an old friend, but he heard no gunshot or anything else suspicious at that time. He peered out the window and perhaps caught the only confirming glimpse of the killer leaving Dando's house. He says he saw a six-foot-tall white male who appeared to be in his 30s to 40s But at the time, he did not see Jill. She was lying on the ground, dead. He thought nothing of it and went on about his business. Then, 15 minutes later, a call came in to emergency services. That's a 999 call in the UK. See there? Pay attention. Pay attention, Americans. It's 999 if you're over there. Don't go 911. 999 makes way more sense, but it also seems like you'd have a lot more pocket dials. I'm just, I'm just saying. So, 15 minutes later, a call came in to emergency services. A woman had been found on her doorstep and was lying in a pool of blood. The caller told the dispatcher, quote, it looks like Jill Dando, and this is her home. So, when paramedics and police arrived, they thought Jill had been stabbed. There was no blood splatter, and the crime scene did not indicate shooting. It was that clean, if you will. A single 9mm bullet casing was found, 
and matched to a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Through reconstruction, forensic teams determined Jill had been grabbed as soon as she hit her front steps. With one hand, he shoved her to the ground, and with the other, he raised a 9mm pistol to her head, and just like that, Jill was gone. As for the shot that had not been heard, it was because the killer had pressed the gun so close to her head that when the gun fired, the bulk of the blast actually happened inside her skull. It dampened the sound so much that no one heard it. Not one person heard the shot that rang out midday on a busy uptown neighborhood. Basically, for lack of a better term, he used her head as a silencer. This was the biggest reason, of course, and her fame. Police automatically suspected an assassin or a hitman. Someone professional and sp- and smart, right, had pulled this mo- murder off. It's, this can't just be anybody. With someone of her fame and not hearing this, uh, the weapon go off, not really catching a good glimpse, they're like, this was just so clean. Someone, someone was in and out. Someone who knew how to get in and out with no witnesses, no cameras, a crime scene that was completely clean. He worked fast and then moved on like a ghost. Or at least that's the way the media and local reports were making it sound. The investigation went on for what seemed like forever, with no leads or clues. How do you investigate someone who lives in the public eye? It's a quiet, pretty avenue in southwest London, where Jill Dando had lived for several years. Shortly before midday, some of her neighbors were alerted that something was wrong. Two women went towards the front door and saw someone lying on the doorstep. A third neighbor joined them. I heard the scream. You heard a scream? I did hear a, a, a scream. Did, did you hear a man's voice or anything no, like no that? No man's voice at all. Did you yes. hear a shot or did you... Well, there was no shots. Yeah. From what I would say right. was a shot. I wouldn't have thought there was a shot, no. From your assessment, what appeared to have happened to her? GH, yes. She was obviously attacked. And whether she was attacked with a knife or whether she was attacked with some sort of instrument. But um, she certainly... She, she is obviously very shocked what happened and... But she was conscious? She was talking? She, was, she, she wasn't conscious when I saw her. And what did you do? Dial 999 straight away? I personally didn't, but the people I was with, the two ladies who also live in the street, dialed the number and... Um, had the ambulance services there within 10 minutes. Taken by ambulance to Charing Cross Hospital, she remained unconscious, having suffered serious head injuries. Jill Dando arrived here by ambulance at 12.30 p.m. Despite all efforts by hospital paramedics, my apologies, ambulance paramedics and hospital medical staff, she was certified dead at 1.03 p.m. Several people saw a man near the house at the time, saying he was walking briskly, possibly running away. A man was seen leaving from outside number 29 Gowan Avenue, and he ran east down this road towards the Fulham Palace Road. A man between late 30s and 40s, white, he was carrying a mobile phone, he was clean-shaven and he had dark hair. The witnesses described him as being well-groomed, possibly wearing a jacket or a suit. And anybody who knows that man or anybody else who saw that person out there, we would like to speak to. The street has been sealed off all day, with a police investigation launched into the death of someone known to millions of people through television, whose neighbours knew her, and who was an outgoing, friendly person, modest about her celebrity. Like many in the public eye, there were reports that she'd attracted unwanted attention from strangers. 
and last year she'd had difficulty when a particularly persistent viewer pursued her with calls and letters. Something the BBC took seriously, the problem of stalking being one of the consequences of success. However, Jill was hugely popular and cooperated happily with the press, most recently giving interviews about her forthcoming marriage to gynaecologist Alan Farthing. Over Easter, they'd both been with her father and brother in the West Country. As far as my dad's concerned, I mean, she was a devoted daughter and, for me, sort of loving sister. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, we're going to miss her, obviously, dreadfully. And I think people who knew her in a way through her appearances on TV. Um, they're obviously going to miss her greatly. The first of many tributes came from her colleagues at the BBC, where she was held in great affection. In the last hour, the police have confirmed she was killed by a single gunshot to the head. It's rare that a reporter can say that a murder victim was the kind of woman who had no enemies. I can say that about Jill Dando. Her death is a shock to all who knew her personally, and also to millions of people who knew her as a friendly, charming person on television. Where do you start in an investigation into a murder of someone who had helped catch criminals, someone who had come in contact with thousands of people on a daily basis? With the seeming of professionalism in Jill's murder, the investigation began to look at who would want Jill dead the most. And also, who had the means and reach to get to her? One lean that was pursued was a possible hit by a Yugoslavian or Bosnian Serp group in retaliation for a bombing by NATO against a media outlet that killed several civilians, including the Serbian version of Jill Dando. That was a quote um, used by some local Serbians of the time, some local Yugoslavians, claimed that someone who was well-valued and um, well-appreciated in their news, uh, a young woman, was also killed in that bombing. So maybe tit-for-tat with Jill, I guess is what they're trying to say here. But just a few weeks before her death, Jill had presented a special that called for aid for the refugees of the Yugoslavian wars. And just two days after her death... Threats were made towards the BBC News chief executive, Tony Hall, and it was taken seriously enough that Hall was put into hiding for a short time while the investigation was ongoing. However, no solid connection was ever made to any of the suspected groups. Once those leads were proven a dead end, and there was no connection to any of the criminals she covered on Crime Watch, the detective started looking at Jill's murder as it may be just random. Was Jill Dando just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Was there a predator out hunting Jill? I mean, or not hunting Jill, but were they just out hunting and then just ran across Jill? Unfortunately, the killer profile also changed, okay? Instead of a professional killer, police were now looking for someone who may already have a record and a history of violence. Someone who was known to stalk women. Someone like Barry George. Barry George was a local man who had a history with women, as he had been arrested multiple times for things like uh, indecent assault, impersonating an officer, attempted rape, and sneaking into Kensington Palace, that little sneaky bastard. He was also known to have several learning disorders, Asperger's, and a very stunted IQ. Barry was spotted in the area of Jill's home that very morning of her death. So, not convinced yet? Let's keep going. 
After securing a warrant to search his residence, investigators found a microscopic piece of gunshot residue in a long coat that Barry wore that day. And since witnesses had spotted a man in a ill-fitting suit lingering around the neighborhood that morning, the line was drawn. Boom, we have a connection. This man has gunshot residue and a long coat. Must have been him. He's also creepy. Sold yet? <laughs> but the case against Barry, it really, in all honesty, was weak. And this is a year after the murder, okay? But nonetheless, on that single trace of gunshot residue that matched the gunshot residue, okay, on the clothing and also on the head of Jill. Now listen here. It matched the type of gunshot residue. This is something I didn't know going into this case. When I heard this bit of information, I was like, he did it. Definitely did it. No doubt about it. Cut it off. Let's go cover it. Let's go tell people what happened. But no, so glad I didn't. I wouldn't do that anyways. Why would, I, why would you cut it off in the middle of the documentary? <clears throat> anyways, documentary sourced uh, link in the bottom of the description. Check it out. But anyways, what I was saying is the bullet residue, basically, the way the detective described it to me is there's five different types of bullet residue, okay? So let's just call them one, two, three, four, and five. Well, the bullet residue on the gun or on the bullet casing was a two. The bullet residue on Jill's head, a two. And then the bullet residue, the one speck of it that was found on this man's coat, on Barry's coat, was a two. Okay? But you got a 20% chance. But what are the chances of all three matching? Mm, those odds are a little slimmer, right? So, the case against Barry was weak, but he was indeed convicted of Jill's murder. And he spent eight years in prison trying to appeal. And he was finally successful in 2007. And after a retrial in August of 2008, he was acquitted. However, in his attempt to get compensation from the courts, he was not so successful. It was determined basically that he had not proven his innocence enough to be owed compensation, which I also agree with. He had no explanation of where he was or the gunshot residue or anything. He just flat out declined everything. Right? So, now, after having this fake closure, now this man is acquitted. So the family, after thinking they had solved the murder of Jill Dando and, and, the, and the police as well, obviously, Jill Dando, the Dando family had the rug pulled out from under them, and they were at square one all over again. Many still believe that Barry was the right man and that the police had done their job in presenting and finding a suspect. Others blame the legal system for allowing him to appeal. However, since the courts determined that he was not the murderer, the investigation team was back at the beginning. Here we are now, over 20 years later, and no other arrests have been made. No answers have come for years, and no resolve is in sight for the remaining Dando family. Because I got the right guy the first time. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, some of the other theories about Jill's death, you know, because why not? That's what we do on this podcast. Let's Let's speculate. Let's bring in some other some other theories, right? We don't want to just put all the blame on Mr. Barry here, even though he definitely did it. I'm just kidding. He didn't definitely do it. Um, but 
if if he didn't do it, damn, somebody somebody similar to him did this crime. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So, some of the other theories about Jill's death were that she was a victim of a random crime or an obsessed stalker, um, which it was found that Jill had 140 obsessed fans, and although they were all questioned, none of them were really found suspicious. Uh, Many speculated maybe an ex was involved because they were angry uh, that she was getting married, and again, this lead went nowhere when all of Jill's exes were cleared. Then eyes turned to a possible connection to her time on the show Crime Watch and the people it affected. An investigative journalist claims he interviewed a hitman who claimed he knew who killed Jill but was too afraid to name him. But there was no way to confirm any of these claims made and we know how some criminals just want to be in the spotlight or they want they'll, they'll make up shit just to get a deal, right? You get a little time off their sentence. Um, now, there is another theory that was presented that Jill had knowledge of a child abuse ring and that she had threatened to expose them. And because of this, Jill was killed to keep her quiet. This theory was not one uh, too far-fetched, as years later it would come out that the staff at the BBC had been abusing children for years. Most notably, Jimmy Seville. Uh, Seville was possibly Britain's most prolific predatory sex offender. Ever. But he died before he could be convicted of anything. And again, there was not enough to ever make a positive connection between the cases. Jesus, he's like the Jeffrey Epstein of Britain. Or whatever. Oh, God. There's still no answers for Dando's brother, uh, her fiancé, and her friends, all the people that survive her. Um, there are no positive leads at this time and very little hope from those involved that this case will ever be solved. And I have even less hope than that because I believe that the case was already solved. And um, do the, the only... Mm, it's very tough. It's a very tough place to be with this case because it's hard to place blame on the police, I mean, if, if they dug as deep as to pull a speck of gunshot residue off a man's jacket, albeit a year later, um, I feel like they were doing their, their due diligence. Um, but, but it's hard. How can you find anything connecting to the crime a year later? I mean, you could, you could brush up against someone who just came from a shooting range um, in, in public transportation and get a speck of gunshot residue. Well, not now during COVID, of course, um, but in, in normal times, like when this case occurred. It's just not enough evidence uh, to convict the man, and that's not his fault, per se. Um, I, I think, as far as Barry goes, I think old Barry just got lucky. I do. I think he killed uh, Jill in a fit of rage um, over wanting her or whatever it may be, um, and he got lucky. He picked the right time. It was quiet. No one noticed it. Also, I'm sure in this in this uptown neighborhood, people aren't on lookout for crime. It's funny that some of these crimes that happen in broad daylight in these, these you know, up, upscale communities because they're not used to it. They're not on the lookout for it. They always think there's an explanation. 
When Miss when Miss Dando screamed next door, I'm sure she was just surprised. Someone just surprised her, which you heard, you know, the gentleman in the uh, in the interview. They just brush it off, like that kind of stuff doesn't happen here, and I think it hurts crimes like that. I don't think this crime was planned out. I don't think it was done by a professional. I just think he got lucky. And then they didn't have enough evidence a year later because he was at least smart enough to get rid of all the shit that he had a year ago. And now that he's been acquitted, you cannot try him for this crime again. At least you couldn't in the U.S. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the U.K. probably has similar similar laws. But um, yeah, that's heartbreaking because I really do think he's the guy. They just didn't have enough evidence. They did not have enough evidence. All right, guys, I've said my piece. Let's check in with Lauren in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained, the murder of Jill Dando, famous news reporter in the UK during the 90s, known for shows like Breakfast Time, Breakfast News, BBC One O'Clock News, The Six O'Clock News, a travel show called Holiday, where she, that was, that was like a dream job there, where she traveled all around the world um, and did a TV show about her travels. Um, then she was the host of Crime Watch, a show which all of you listening now I'm sure would love. And may some of you may have watched it if you were old enough. Um, and unfortunately, she would be the subject of an episode of that very show following her murder after she returned to her, her home that she was in the process of selling because she was living mainly at her fiancé's home at this time on April 26, 1999. She, she went to her home to check on the place and was ambushed on her doorstep, thrown to the ground and shot in the head by someone. The only witness to the, to this crime somewhat was uh, a neighbor who heard a scream and saw a man running away from the scene, didn't think much of it for whatever reason, but later reported to the police that it, it was a white man wearing a certain type of jacket, which helped the police uh, pinpoint a man named Barry George, a local creep who had a bunch of photos of women that he'd been stalking and unsuspectedly taking pictures of and he had sex crimes in his past and was a gun nut and they found a jacket very similar to the one that the witness had described um, the man that ran away from the scene wearing and when they inspected the pocket of the jacket they found gunpowder residue um, even far after the crime that they supposedly connected to the crime. Some some residue was found at the scene. Now, there was no sound from the gunshot, which was weird. Um, apparently, the gun was against Jill's skull and therefore muffled the sound of the gunshot. Um, I don't know if they got the residue off of her um, that matched what was in his pocket, but it was pretty flimsy evidence, I thought. Um, nonetheless, they got a conviction, and they convicted Barry George for the murder of Jill Dando, um, and he would then spend eight years in prison. Basically, it was almost entirely a prosecution based off of circumstantial evidence. You know, his character, the guy, the guy that he, he was obsessed with people in the limelight, 
Um, he, ha- he, like as I said, a gun nut and uh, was a sex, sex offender. And so they, they were basically, it seemed to me like they were trying to fit the case around him. However, he was exactly the type of guy that I would be looking for in this, this type of scenario. That being said, I don't think there was enough to convict. And for that reason, neither did the courts because he would later be acquitted uh, after eight years in prison. Um, and after a retrial, he was acquitted. And so it was back to square one. Um, and that's never been solved since then. You know, there's still people that obviously believe it's Barry George and he got away with it after eight years in prison. But there's also a lot of crazy theories as to what could have happened to Jill because she was in the limelight and there was potentially a target on her back. She had a lot of stalkers. Uh, a lot of people had been writing to her and, um, you know, they could Barry George, a lot of guys like that out there, unfortunately. Uh, there are several theories out there, though, regarding Jill's murder. Some believe that Yugoslavian hitmen killed her in retaliation for a NATO bombing of a radio TV station in which 16 staff members died who were totally innocent, and this was their retaliation. There's also claims that she was about to expose a sexual abuse scandal involving BBC and Jimmy Savile. Um, that she had this dossier that she was presenting to BBC management and she was about to expose these, the, you know, these sexual abuse by Jim, Jimmy Savile that potentially BBC was covering up and she was someone hired hitmen to kill her before that was exposed. We've heard of things like that before. You know, powerful entities can, can get rid of people real easily. And so these, these although I do view these as, as possible, um, I think the most likely thing that occurred was a crazed fan. She was extremely well-known in the UK. She relished the limelight. She was even voted BBC's Personality of the Year in 1999. She was all over magazine covers, all over television, and I think it's very possible that there were many people, many creeps out there who had developed an unhealthy obsession with her. And the reason I, I think that this is this is the person responsible for perpetrating this crime, if it wasn't, in fact, um, Bill Barry George, who was initially convicted and then later acquitted, if it wasn't him, I think it was someone like him. And I say this because we studied a case that is so strikingly similar to this um, on True Crime Guys. We did the case of Rebecca Schaefer, an American act- actress uh, and TV soap star who was murdered on her front doorstep just like this, a man who was obsessed with her, um, who she actually gave a little bit of attention to. She wrote a letter back to him, and he became more obsessed. And then when he she kind of shunned him because he was becoming too, you know, he was scaring her with how obsessed he was, uh, he showed up to her doorstep and shot her on her doorstep, just like Jill Dando. I did just, I can't get that out of my head, so I just can't help but think that it was a man like Barry George. If it wasn't Barry, I think it's still very possible that it was Barry George. However, I agree with the court's decision to acquit him because they didn't have enough. Maybe they should have done more to try, try to take more time and try to find more evidence to convict him. Um, so unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever find out who really did this. It could be some grand conspiracy. She was a very, you know, well-known and an important person in the UK. So it's very possible she was killed by some sort of hired hitman. But I also think that it's possible that the most likely scenario is a 
crazy stalker that uh, decided they that if they couldn't have her, that she would die. So that's my thoughts, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. Yep, pretty much no surprise there. Pretty much no surprise there. This is probably the least strange and unexplained case that I've done so far. Um, It sounded like this crazy twisted web when I first looked into it. Right? I apologize for that. Uh, I apologize for this being a shorter episode. I hope this wasn't a letdown for you guys. And also, um, I don't know. I I just felt like... This was just an interesting case to get out here. Anytime someone gets off for killing someone, I feel like that case should be should be broadcasted. And I'm sure uh, Old Barry has gotten plenty of death threats and whatnot over the years. Um, but still, it, that needs to be known. When when the justice system fails, when things like this happen, we need to know. As as civilians, we need to know. We need to know how to protect ourselves against this type of things. We need to know how to to um, you know, to gain evidence and to prepare ourselves for dealing with this kind of thing. If if, if you even can, if you even can, okay. So that's our piece. That's my piece there, guys, with the Jill Dando. There's a documentary on YouTube, um, definitely worth watching if you want to check that out. Uh, Jill Dando seems like she was an amazing woman. Um, definitely on her path, on the path to do even more good than what she was doing. Um, and she seemed like a, a beautiful soul stuffed out too early, much like Rebecca Schaefer, uh, that, uh, Lauren mentioned in the Lauren synopsis. I knew this case sounded so familiar to me. Yeah. The Rebecca Schaefer case. So, all right, guys. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Just got some housekeeping. Uh, I'll try to keep it quick. Patreon.com slash S and you podcast. Um, for just three bucks a month, guys, you can get access to th- all these free episodes on Thursdays instead of waiting on Mondays. And you also get access to other shows I do like Strange Shorts and The Palette Cleanser. Um, you know, anything you guys can do on that on Patreon is greatly appreciated. I also have a $5 tier level where I um, give you a exclusive Strange and Unexplained Patreon sticker as well as um, you get access to any exclusive content that I'll be doing on the $5 level, which hopefully I'm trying to incorporate some video more often, things like that. Um, God, video editing, right? Video editing. Anybody wants to partner with some video editing, uh, knows how to do that type of thing and could help me get this type of thing going. I'm interested. I'm possibly interested in talking to you. So let me know. Um, Let's see. What else? What else? Social media at S and U podcast guys anywhere on social media. You can find me. You can leave a review. Instagram is the best way to keep up. I usually make most announcements on there, which aren't very many. I'm so terrible at social media. Sorry guys. I do care and I am going to keep putting out content and that's what's important, right? That's what you want from me. Jeez. You got plenty of other friends on social media. (laughs) All right, guys. Um, If you can go leave a review, I'll read it live on the next show. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and as always, be strange. Just don't be strangers. See you guys 